Welcome to Sofa Security Chat Chat, episode 254 for the 7th of October, 2016. I'm Chester Wisniewski coming to you from Denver in the United States of America at the Virus Bulletin Conference with John Shire. Good afternoon, Chet. Yes, it's been uh, a good week at Virus Bolton so far, and uh, we've got a few more talks to go before the conference closes, but I think uh, there's been some good talks that we're going to summarize here for our listeners. Precisely. We, uh, we always like to share when we have interesting research from conferences we attend, and that's not to say that research from other conferences hasn't been interesting, but Virus Bulletin is always, you know, as our industry conference, very interesting to us. And the first talk uh, that I thought was very interesting that I attended was, Are They Real?, real-life comparative tests of antivirus products. And that was presented by Fanny, uh, Dennis, and Jose from the Ecole Polytechnique of Montreal. And uh, what the idea was is to compare third-party antivirus products to, you know, the built-in defenses, say, in Windows 10, right? Windows 10 has Windows Defender on by default. That's sort of a Microsoft, uh, you know, bare minimum antivirus. And the question is, do I really need third-party AV? And, and if I do, uh, what kind of differences might we see by age and sex as to the number of risks you're actually defended with um, by these products. And, I, I, and fortunately for us, the, the answer is you do need third-party antivirus. And, and we, in fact, uh, I think Microsoft blocked about 49% of threats without third-party AV present on Windows 10, whereas with third-party AV, it was up in the 98 and 99% ranges for the best-performing products, which they didn't identify, though. Yeah, it was really interesting to ha to see the demographics of the people they tested, right? I believe there was a 26 million endpoint sample set, which was uh, you know really good baseline data, and having it broken down, as you said, by age, sex. They also had things like um, uh, the the human development index. So basically, were you coming from a you know Western quote unquote Western country or or more developed country? And so there were actual differences in that as well. Uh, one of the things that we both saw was there was actually a a bit of a difference between both men and women, and depending on your age, whether you were older or younger, there was a difference in the amount of risk that you incurred while surfing online. Yeah, it'll be no shock to people who like picking on millennials that shockingly millennials don't run security software as much as older people and, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, I was really curious that the one category age group was zero to 17. And I'm just wondering how many zero year olds were in the survey. But um, nonetheless, we'll, we'll move along to something uh, that I think a lot of our listeners might be interested in as well. Robert Simmons from Threat Connect presented to us on a open source malware lab. In essence, how to use some uh, open source security tools that are available to sort of build a, a basic automated threat analysis system. And he didn't get into like, you know, manually reverse engineering things and pulling it up in Ali Debug and Ida Pro and all these kinds of things when we think about what, say, the researchers at Sophos Labs might do as part of their daily work. But talk more about tools like volatility and other things that you can use to analyze memory and do some basic forensics and, you know, start to look at some of these malware samples that allow perhaps smaller businesses and mid-sized organizations without a dedicated analysis team to start looking at some threats. That's the takeaway I got from this is it, it was tr bringing the malware analysis part down to the accessible level. And so he had it broken down for, you know, file, URLs, traffic, and memory. And then he gave one tool for each of those different areas that he said would be uh, indicative of something you could use. He gave some examples, some additional things like how to do VM cloaking, uh, and also how to uh, test whether the malware might be detected, or the malware might detect uh, that you are running in a VM. So all in all, I think it was a very clear, concise, and well-presented talk uh, to help people to uh, really, you know, start participating in an area they might not have had in the past. Yeah, I think the highlight for me is he may be the first person who's found a use for Bing. Uh, he actually talked about it. It's actually a good tip for our listeners. Uh, if you go into Bing and you type IP, 
colon and an IP address. It'll tell you uh, basically all the different websites that have been hosted on that IP that their, in, uh, their crawler has indexed. And that's really interesting when you start looking at some of these phishing scams and other types of things where you know they're hosting the fake PayPal login page. You go look up that IP and you're like, oh, look, they also are hosting a fake Apple page. They're hosting a fake Bank of America page. It, it gives you some insights into threats. So there's a use for bang people. You can make that note in your calendar that that occurred on the 7th of October, 2016. I didn't have a chance to go to the entire session, but I know you did. And uh, we've had some relations through some of the mailing lists and things we participate on with uh, John Bambanek from Fidelis Cybersecurity. And uh, he was at the conference presenting on kind of an inside look at exploit kits. You were at the whole session. What were your thoughts? So John really gave us a good idea of the exploit kit landscape as it exists today and he summarized for the crowd and, and you know most of the crowd is, is fairly in the know but it was it's always interesting to, to see a summary of the topic before we go into it to sort of level set the audience what he was talking about and what he he intended to have a discussion about was exploit kits are out there they're doing damage what can we do as an industry to disrupt this? Do we disrupt the exploit kit writers that are feeding exploits into the exploit kits themselves? Do we disrupt the spammers or the traffic generators? Do we disrupt disrupt the exploit kit infrastructures? Maybe we disrupt the money chain, right? These guys all have to buy each other's services. So if we can cut that off, then maybe that's a way of disrupting it. So that was the, the crux of the talk. And that's what it was really interesting. It was just really gathering ideas from the community, those of us in the audience that are working in security to try to figure out can we do this? And if so, how and on how many fronts? Another session that uh, we both had opportunity to attend was called NeverQuest, Crime as a Service and On the Hunt for the Big Bucks. That was by Peter Kroos at CSIS in Denmark. And P Peter just did a really in-depth look at the evolution of, uh, at SOFA's what we call VAWTRAC. In fact, some of our researchers have presented at Virus Bulletin before on VAWTRAC earlier versions. And Peter kind of continued along those lines, showing which banks, the different targeting methods, how they're going after retirement accounts, how they're doing process injection, all these different things that the capability this malware has largely for financial fraud and it looks like they have access to literally tens of millions of pounds uh, particularly pounds they have the tendency to go after the British quite a lot with this particular malware just astound astounding amounts of money one thing I found really interesting about this talk was when he was describing how a criminal group wanting to participate in that infrastructure can basically buy a brand so if I want to attack attack Bank of America or Barclays or HSBC I will pay up you know, upwards of like $10,000 to say, that's my brand. They're the ones I'm going to impersonate and attack. And it basically reserves that brand for you. No other criminal can then use that brand with that infrastructure. So that was an interesting little tidbit. Yeah, exclusivity in, in malware as a service. <laughs> Where will this ever end? But yeah, that was a great talk. Peter's always entertaining and a great speaker. And uh, this morning, um, I had the privilege of going to the talk called Mobile Applications, A Backdoor into the Internet of Things. Uh, by Axel Aperville from Fortinet. This was a great talk because it wasn't so much about, hey, look at me, I can hack a smart toothbrush. Hey, look at me, I can hack a smartwatch, although she did. And she actually had the nerve to do the demo live on stage, which is always something that you have to pray for the demo gods and you have to applaud. Um, and her, her talk was fantastic, especially because really the purpose of the talk was to use these props just as that, as props to say, I'm a researcher. This is how I think. I'm a reverse engineer. I'm not a hardware engineer. I could probably attack these devices through a JTAG port if I 
disassembled them or other ways to maybe go after them, but I'm going to reverse engineer them. And I'm going to show you what I learned as the most effective ways to reverse engineer them so that you can reverse engineer them too. And the conclusions really were that the best way to go after these things seems to be by disassembling the applications that are available on iPhone and Android for them and then seeing how they communicate. And often there's, uh, you know, that's very indicative of bugs and flaws in these systems. She even showed a home alarm system, sadly, which can be tr controlled via text message. And um, the, the rather than use AES to protect the password inside the application, they decided to knit their own crypto. And we generally know how that ends. And she was able to onstage brute force the password on it in less than one second. Don't knit your own crypto, folks, especially if you're building home alarm systems. <laughs> and I'll let you summarize the last one, um, you know, uh, which is uncovering the secrets of malvertising by Jerome Segura and Chris Boyd. And I've been friends with both of these guys for a long time, so I'm a bit biased toward liking their presentations. But um, maybe you can share your thoughts. I know you've been working with Jerome quite a bit and talking to him about malvertising. And I think that's something that uh, a lot of people don't often think about. They think they only get harmed when they go to porn sites or gambling sites and these types of things on the internet. And because of the malvertising uh, movement, if you will, it, it's making almost any asset unsafe, including, as they pointed out in their presentation, MSN. Yeah, I've been following Jerome's research on malvertising for a little while now. It's, it's a topic that I've been interested in, and I think uh, it, it bears us bringing some light to it because I, as you say, I think it's one of these topics that doesn't have as much visibility as, as something like ransomware, for example, or phishing. And so uh, the, the research was very interesting. It, it, it gave us a, a, a look into malvertising the infrastructure. They explained more about how online advertisers themselves are, are using advertisements to, to you know, increase their revenue. But they also sort of gave us an, an, an insight into so the things that they use, the terms that they use so that we can better understand the, the online advertising world because it's really something that's not as familiar to us in the security world. Uh, they also showed some, some examples of ad blockers blo blocking ad blockers and it, it, it's the summary for them of that particular case was here we are trying to get users to surf the web in a safe and easy way and you've got a lot of sites and tools and, and plugins that are laying one on top of another to basically confuse the user. You've got one site that says, oh, you're running an ad blocker, you know, maybe pay us some money and we'll never show you an ad again. And then you've got another, you turn that ad blocker off and you've got another site saying something else and you try to go through a VPN and then they're telling you, well, you can't go through a VPN because we can't show you the relevant ads. I mean, the ad industry is making it really difficult in the end. And finally, what they talked about, which was the, the natural extension is where does this lead, right? What about in the area of connected cars, right? Are we going to start seeing ads there? And what are the implications of me seeing an ad as I'm driving down the highway to 100 miles an hour? The ad blocker, 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 blocker. Yeah, and, and and sadly, Chris killed Jerome at least twice during the presentation through car accidents and smart refrigerators and, and other things. But these are these are valid concerns, and maybe that's why we need self-driving cars so that we can watch advertisements. And I'd just like to you know reach out to all the folks at VB and thank them for putting on such a great conference. I mean, it's it's an enormous thing to organize something this complicated and herd all these security researchers into the rooms at the right time and get everything done. And uh, it was another huge success in my opinion. And the the efforts that Helen and Martin and Karen and John and everyone at the Virus Bulletin team put put into organizing this was just incredible, and it and it really was an excellent conference as usual. And for those of you that weren't able to attend, you may want to watch on YouTube. Uh, a lot of the videos will be slowly getting published over the next year uh, as, as they're able to edit them and get permission from the speakers to publish them. But a lot of the talks will be made available, and some I know are even uh, already up on services like SlideShare. A lot of people have shared their content, so you may want to look out for those. And with that, I'll conclude. So 
Sofa Security Chat Chat 254. As always, for the latest security news, please visit nakedsecurity.sophos.com. All of our podcasts are available on iTunes via RSS on the TuneIn app and over at soundcloud.com slash sofa security. And until next time, stay secure.